I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Hey everybody, it's the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. I am uh, always been accused of phoning it, and now I'm literally doing it. From Baltimore, Maryland, site of the first Thursday night football game of uh, 2014, fittingly in the city of Baltimore, where the entire free football world knows the case of Ray Rice and what it has turned into and how the focus has now moved from Rice and the Ravens all the way up the uh, Acela Railway to Midtown Manhattan. And we'll discuss as much of that as we possibly can here on this show while getting you set for week number two. My name is Rich Eisen, again, your humble host. My two Chris's are back in the studio. Is that correct? Correct, sir. We are both here. Pulses. Good to chat with you, boys. How you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there. It's it's pretty awkward down here in, yeah. in uh, Baltimore. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. What's the it's, vibe um, like? At the, you're down near the Inner Harbor, yeah? Well, I mean, it's you know they've been here for a while, getting ready for this game for many reasons. And again, it's 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 a nationally televised night game, and uh, fans here in Baltimore um, get pumped up for it. Um, in a manner that uh, that many you know that's the envy of a lot of fan bases across the country, um, and it's also the 200th anniversary of the national anthem this weekend. Ah, Francis so celebrating Scott Key. the 200th anniversary of Francis Scott Key um, writing the poem that uh, served as the eventual uh, lyrics to our national anthem. And not to give a history lesson off the top here, but I like it. You know, it's about the defense of Fort McHenry in the Battle of 1812. And um, Fort McHenry's about four miles from the Raven's Nest here off of the Chesapeake Bay. So this has been something that's been planned for quite some time with the Thursday night game taking place on the 13th anniversary of 9-11. There's quite a patriotic feel here in this town. But um, it's all Ray Rice all the time right now, and it's all... What's going on with the league's investigation of Ray Rice and how the league now itself, it's amazing how Monday started with Ray Rice uh, getting set to serve the last four days of his two-game suspension. He was supposed to be able to return, as we're talking hours before the Thursday night game. He was supposed to have returned tomorrow. The two-game suspension finished because the Ravens' second game was earlier in week two. He was set to come back Friday, and Monday morning, he had only four days left in his suspension, and the two-game suspension, even though uh, the controversy that it stirred was still in the ether, um, the TMZ tape comes out. And 96 hours later, 72 hours later even, the Wednesday night, now the league was under investigation and uh, uh, calling it its own investigation because of the clear credibility gap that the league um, was facing with uh, its fan base. And, um, you know, many people might still question, and I see it already out there on Twitter and the uh, the Internet, that uh, that the, in, the independent investigator Robert Mueller III, an FBI agent, former FBI, pardon me, uh, director, who's now part of a law firm that uh, the NFL has ties to, is the one who's coming in to do the independent investigation. And um, it's just an incredible whirlwind of, of events that took over three three days. And, and you know, I'm even hesitant to be posting a podcast on this right now because it's just the twists and turns that this story has taken has dated it. You know, a minute we hang up after the show, which is going to be just us kicking around this subject as well as everything else in the NFL, uh, things could break and totally change the tenor of the conversation. You never know. 
It's such it's such so, a bizarre story. It's got so many turns, and like you said, we say one thing and something else will come out immediately. So we don't know um, what's going to come of this investigation and where it's going when it's going to wind up. I mean, the Ted Wells took months. Four months. It, it took months to figure out, and um, the 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 final straw for the league to go ahead and, and announce this was the AP story that came out on Wednesday where a law enforcement official in New Jersey told a reporter that he had sent the, a copy of the tape to an NFL executive. Who that executive is has not been revealed. Um, the only thing that was revealed, it was a female voice confirming receipt of the of the tape in the league office. Um, a female voice confirming receipt of, uh, of the tape being received and saying that um, uh, the, the contents were, quote-unquote, you're right, it's terrible. And the contents of the tape were awful. And, and, the, and, and, and part of the dilemma that a lot of people are dealing with, and myself included, is did I really need to see that tape to, to yeah. conclude what happened in that elevator? And, and the conflict that I have within me, that uh, you know, I, I, I always thought, and we mentioned it before, that the two games was light. The league itself had that mea culpa a few weeks ago in announcing a new domestic abuse policy. But did we really need to see what was in that elevator? I mean, what did we think happened in that elevator? And um, we do live in a visual society where we need to see things. It's different having it described. Yeah, we've we've all heard people. We've all heard that. Did you need to see it? And had we not seen the original one, where you just see the door opening and her laying there, and like this kind of stuff has happened multiple times in the past in the league. And you know, you read about Terrell Suggs in 2010 or the Greg Hardy thing in Carolina, but the the power and the impact of the the first video and then the second video, it it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference here. Well, all I know, you know, is this. There's just two two certainties here about this. I'm going to say this tonight on the show, is that it's an unmitigated disaster for everyone involved, the media too, the number of of people who, who are not equipped to discuss domestic violence in, in a nuanced uh, time, um, in, in, in the manner with the amount of time that it requires. Uh, many of people in, our, in our, our end of the business are not equipped to have this discussion. And so many people have said ridiculous, silly things just opining about it. And, you know, it is a scourge of, of domestic violence that is out there in society that obviously this, is, this entire episode has cast a light on. And the, the, the videotape still being shown right now by news outlets to me is, is sort of an affront. On Monday it had a news value, in, for the lack of a better phrase, because of we had not seen it and what happened and how the NFL and the Ravens reacted to it has, has, has that news value in that. But now it's just, I mean, there's no sense in showing it anymore. You know, Ray Rice's wife is reliving it every single time. Yeah. That's, that's who you really, it's now on the internet. I mean, we're talking about how Ray Rice goes through the intervention program as again, this tape has cast a spotlight on everybody, including the, the authorities in, in Atlantic City that uh, that prosecuted this and and decided that Ray Rice could go through an intervention program and counseling as opposed to a trial and potential jail time. They have to account of their thought process now. There's going to be attorneys general looking into th- this case um, in in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, we've already gotten tweets when we came out saying about this podcast, do, do people really want to hear more Ray Rice talk? 
I think they just want to know is what did the league know and when did it know it, to use the phrase that a lot of people are, use, are using right now. Right. And I think we're all curious as to that. Yeah. Um, personally, and this is just my, my belief, and I'll, I'll say it here, I said it on, on radio on Thursday, I've, I believe that too, too many people would have had to see that tape in the NFL before the commissioners saw it for us, for them to have a, an effectual quote-unquote cover-up as people are accusing them of doing. I truly believe the commissioner never saw that tape till Monday. Yeah. Now, I might be proven wrong, and if that's the case, then I will, I will issue an apology to all people who are hearing this and might be throwing their headsets or, or their earbuds while they're jogging or working out while hearing this thing or not believe me or accuse me of being an NFL guy. I just do not believe the commissioner saw this. And that was part of the reason why two games were given in the first place. This may be borne out by the, by, uh, to be the case, and you may choose to believe whatever investigation it is. I believe the guy never saw it. That whoever was in receipt of this in the NFL didn't kick it up the chain of command, and we'll find that out. I think that's the way it's going to prove out to be. But I could be completely wrong, and if I am wrong, and he did see it. You already hear owners who are already saying anonymously to members of the media that, that support for the commissioner would erode. It's just, and, and like I said, it's terribly conflicting here in Baltimore because people here are ready for a celebration and for a football game tonight. Yeah, it's so, oh, man, it's. That's the case here of Ray Rice, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it as conditions warrant. But, um, you know, in the meantime, um, let's move on to what week one was, which was something else. What for our pick'em? Where are we? Do you guys have the standings for that? I do. Yeah, uh, we're not doing so hot. We're not uh, doing too hot. We uh, we started off pretty bad. You're you're leading, uh, Brockman and I. You went uh, one game above five hundred. You went nine and seven, hmm. and uh, Brockman and I are at eight and eight, eight, and at, eight. at the Mendoza line. Not even. Uh, but we are very far back. I believe the overall leader uh, went fourteen and two, Damn. which is pretty impressive. Wow, that is impressive. Yeah, um, I you know I, I I did not see a few things coming. Clearly, didn't see the Bills beating the Bears. That was the biggest surprise. The yeah, first no half chance. in Philadelphia. You must have been very nervous, Chris Law. I was very nervous. Uh, I was waiting to see when Sanchez was going to get put in, actually. There was I thought that was... we might see Mark Sanchez, too. How, how ineffectual Nick Foles was in that first half was shocking. And he looked more like Napoleon Dynamite out there than he actually looks like. like he Go just Uncle, looked, Uncle Rico. He looked, he looked awful. And the sack fumbles, I mean, but, man, he turned it around 34 points in the second half. Well, that, that fourth and, and inches at, at midfield, um, going for it as Chip Kelly did, and then D- Darren Sproles bursting through, may prove Huge. to be something we look back weeks from now as as a as the 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 biggest moment in the Eagles season. And 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 again, I mean, I don't think that's overstating it. One game, I know it's a week to week game, it's a week to week league, and it's just one week. But losing your home opener to a non conference opponent, as say the Bills did before having to go on the road to play a night um, a night game, nationally televised night game, as the Bears are about to do. The Bears are obviously the ones that lost the game at home last week. Right. That's just a – I mean, the Bears and the Eagles are your Sunday and Monday night road opponents in week two. So <laughs> those are tough assignments. I mean, the Bears losing at home to the Bills and now having to go across the country – and be the opponents to open the field of jeans, the new stadium for the 49ers, who looked great 
as I predicted. I was not buying into that whole, you know, 49ers issue with Jim Harbaugh and how the team was going to look and the offense was going to be dreadful. It certainly helped that the Cowboys kept coughing the ball up. Yeah. But um, you got the Niners tough. in that and game. So the Eagles, if they had gone down at home to the Jaguars to kick off the season before having to go to Indianapolis, where the Colts are usually a much better home team than a road team, that would have been brutal. Gus, Gus Bradley can coach him up. So I was a little less surprised that Jacksonville kind of gave Philadelphia a game. I was just shocked that Chicago laid an absolute egg. Like they're talking Super Bowl in Chicago, and they come out. No offense to the Bills, but they didn't exactly light the preseason on fire. And to just come out like Jay Cutler just throwing it all over the yard once again. I was I was stunned at the Bears, the Bears losing to Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely uh, a shocker of week one. Um, another surprise to me was how Tampa looked at yep. home. I thought they would look much stronger. Obviously, Tennessee going right into Kansas City and putting the bang thing on the Chiefs, um, you know, who clearly looked like they were missing Dwayne Bowe. And then Andy Reid lost his marbles which is why I did not draft LaShawn McCoy last year, even though he was not in control of him and stayed away from Jamal Charles. And that's where, you know, my fantasy uh, picks went a little bit down the tubes last year because, you know, obviously both of those guys were pretty damn great in fantasy. 11 touches. But Jamal Charles got seven touches. Seven carries and four, four passes, I think. I mean, that's 11. absurd. Ugh. Brutal. And how does that happen? Right. It's not like the Titans were thoroughly running away from it. And without Bo, I mean, Jamal Charles and, and, you know, Andy Reid took the hit this week saying that that's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> but now Tennessee has a home game this week against Dallas. And Dallas, I mean, we've got Des Bryant on uh, Sunday game day morning with, with Irvin. So we're going to be talking for a very heavy Cowboys discussion coming up this Sunday because if the Cowboys drop to 0-2 and they've got a trip to Seattle coming up, man, that defense is brutal. I know I'm a little bit all over the map here, but uh, the difference between starting, you know, making the playoffs uh, at 0-2, at um, if, if your team went 0-1 last week, here's the deal. The last team to start 0-2 and make the playoffs was last year's Carolina Panthers. They were the only team in 12 to start 0-2 and make it. You add three more previous seasons to that mix. The three previous playoff fields, that's 36 more teams. Add that to the mix, and the, the, the last team to have – uh, made the playoffs 0-2 is still Carolina, period. One team in four years. Correct. Wow. Yeah. 2008, so you can actually add four seasons to that. Wow. 2008, 2008 was the last team. To 2008, go- three teams started 0-2, made the playoffs. Oh, wow. 0-9, 10, 11, 12, 0. Last year, 1. Dang. You, you don't want to go 0-2. You just don't. You just don't. You have an 11% chance of making the playoffs in, in the quarter century if you take the entire 25 years of the expanded playoff system. An 11% chance of making it if you're 0-2. Or 11% of the previous teams did. You go 1-1, one one, that pops up to 40%. Those are the hard, unvarnished facts. You talk about a team facing 0-2 in the face, the New England Patriots. What happened there? Brockman. I mean, the second half, they just couldn't get a first down. They couldn't protect Tom Brady. They couldn't stop no Sean Marino and Lamar Miller. I don't know what happened. That was an unmitigated disaster. 
I mean, let's, give the, let's give the Dolphins some credit. If you could have had a live you kick. you want to talk about unmitigated disasters, though, St. Louis is that. Oh, Sean Hill is not going to start this week. It's going to be Austin Davis again, a third-string quarterback, going into Tampa. And and no Chris Long for weeks. That's that's ugh. no Chris Long, and they they are they're in dire straits, and they look terrible. I mean, it, they looked absolutely terrible. The defense really couldn't. You know, obviously, if you're going to get three and outed back on the field as a defense, that doesn't help. Yeah, they must have been exhausted. But you know, the the, the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people are tipping the cap to Mike Zimmer. The defense looked good, but of course, they were going against a third string quarterback. Tom Brady's going to be different, and Brady doesn't. You know, to go to go zero and two, that would be never happened to start a year under Tom Brady. You know, here's here's the, here's the thing. Obviously, it is the the shockers of the week are that every single AFC East team won, but New England. <laughs> right. That's a surprise. As I tweeted out, New England's in fourth place in the AFC. And um, and that's that that was the surprise to me right there. And of course, Denver is already off and running as the only AFC West team with a win. It was almost the Colts almost were the only AFC South team with a with a loss, but Jacksonville had a dreadful second half. That was interesting. And um, you know Brian Hoyer looking so terrible in the first half. Everybody was looking at 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 Manziel warming up for the second half with his helmet on, thinking he might run out there, but he didn't. Yeah. So if the, if the Browns would have just pulled that off, that would have been great for me because I lone wolfed them, and I, I had faith they could go into Three Rivers and do it. And well, I, I thought I had a good lone wolf going with uh, San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the Chargers. I mean, how many times can they open a season? with a double-digit loss and Chris Berman calling it <laughs> on ESPN. Well, it's like they went Chargers. They had they had the lead heading into the fourth quarter. They played great for three quarters. Phil Rivers is clicking. Ryan Matthews is running. The defense is hitting. And then something just kind of uh, falls, well, they, a, falls they had apart. That fumbled snap. It went through Rivers' hands. And if they had kicked a field goal there, um, then, then, you know, and I know Berman and yeah, Berman and point conversion would have been necessary, right. if I'm not mistaken, to tie the game. And Berman and Dilfer were talking about how that was an errant snap, but to me it looked like it just went right through Phil's hands. Well, I think Berman said it was an errant snap, and Dilfer Dilfer called it. Okay. Thought, okay. If I had to, if I recall correctly, but you know, be that as it may, I mean, man, those those are the losses that hurt. But I still like the Chargers. I, I like do them too. A lot. I do too. I like their defense. And I think, you know, when they don't shoot themselves in the foot, they're going to be really dangerous. And you could say the Lions are in that group, too. I mean, Did they look the Lions explosive look or really what? sharp, yeah. as we expected them to do. And then times you see the Stafford off-balance throws doesn't matter because Megatron is a beast. <laughs> and How's he the that Giants' open on that first, first score was because the, the Lions had their typical foot shooting on defense with penalties. And um, if they can cut out those mistakes... And that's what, you know, there are certain teams out there that have a big opportunity coming up this week, and Detroit's one of them. Detroit is at Carolina, which had an impressive win. I know I started this by saying how shocked I was how Tampa looked at home, but um, Carolina to go into Tampa with their backup quarterback and absolutely put the clamps down on, on on an offense that you... Say what you will about Josh McCown. He looked superb last year in Chicago. Say what you will about him. He is more than serviceable. And they had three beasts of a wide receivers, right? 
Safarian Jenkins, Vincent Jackson, Mike Evans. and Mike Evans. Yeah. Six five six 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 seven. As Correct. Warren Sapp referred to them on game day morning, the Dunkineers. <laughs> That's good. And Doug Martin, who's supposedly healthy coming into the season, and they shut it all down. I mean, they they shut it all down. And Derek Anderson looked solid, and Riverboat Ron pushing buttons again like he's still coach of the year. Did anyone expect Derek Anderson to do anything? Well, he did more. He managed the game, and Kelvin Benjamin looked really good. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Really good. The hand strength to, to hold on to that touchdown oh, catch crazy. was insane. He looked really very good. I mean, that was and one of the Greg plays of the week. Still a, 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 a big-time t- tight end threat, and Cam Newton's coming back this week. But Detroit has a chance. If Detroit can go into Carolina and win that game, another team, I know you don't want to hear this, Brockman, but the Jets. Looked good. The Jets have a well. I mean, look, they had Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr, who, look, who looks good, by the way. struggle, obviously, in game one, right? And Geno Smith still didn't have too much of a command of the offense where it looked like he was fully in control and it was, and it was, um, and it was uh, uh, in rhythm. They didn't look that way. And then, it, and then again, they, put, they would put Vic in at wideout inside the 10 doing all sorts of tricks and games instead of taking these beasts of their running backs and jamming it down the throat of their opponent. So, you know, the Jets' offense still I need to be sold on. But what I am sold on is the Jets' front line defensively. And they have an opportunity with this Green Bay interior line, offensively, offensive line with a rookie center. A mess. Some banged-up guys in the middle of that line. Belaga might not be playing. They have every chance to put pressure in Aaron Rodgers' face. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are they, you picking the Jets to, here? They have a chance to go ahead, if they can go into Lambeau Field, and come out with a surprising win to make statements here. Two teams that have an opportunity to make big-time statements on the road. Um, and Arizona is going to go to the Giants, play an early 1 o'clock game. They could be 2-0, and which is crucial for them. Because you take a look at San Francisco opening up against Chicago, that's no gimme, but you'd have to think there. Yeah. And Seattle's at San Diego, an interesting Week 2 game, because in this Week-to-Week league where last week we crowned Seattle, if Seattle struggles on the road this week, it'll be, well, yeah, see, they, they're different without the, the, uh, the 12s in the stands. Yeah, but you don't think that's going to be uh, Seattle South? You don't think that place is going to be crawling with 12s? It possibly is because they're everywhere. Everywhere, but it's still not. It's still not their home field. I think. I think the interesting one is the. I think the Redskins are in danger of potentially being zero two. I, I could see the Jaguars totally going in there and yeah. pulling that one off. I'm. I'm going to still pick Washington because you know I. I. I said they win the division last week, and so I. I kind of got to go that way. But man, something's going on there with Robert. They looked dreadful against Houston, which lost. Jadavian Clowney for a month and a half, maybe, after just a quarter and a half of football. But they, they played very well defensively. They scored twice um, uh, on defense, and that's how you win football games. That's how you win football games in the National Football League. And Washington's at Philadelphia next week. Uh, so, And that's where we're going to kick off week four of the NFL season and Thursday night football next week, a week from today, we're in Atlanta for Tampa at Atlanta. And then the week after that, it's giants at FedEx field. I mean, you talk about a team in disarray. It's possible. We see Gruden and, and, and RG three and the gang at Owen three. 
Hmm. It's entirely possible. There was a play. There was a play when uh, Swearinger. Jacksonville is a chance to to serve notice there too. Yeah, there was a play in that game when Swearinger just like he he blitzed and RG three saw him coming from far away and just couldn't even move laterally to get out of the way and it just he yeah I don't don't know if he's right was was called for roughing the passer which yeah which I thought was a bad call as much as as much as his reputation that he has. I thought he hit he hit him appropriately, and he didn't lift him and, and land on him either. I thought it was a good call, and what it did was it set up a new fresh set of towns. Uh, instead of instead of the Redskins kicking the field goal, it set up a new fresh set of downs that uh, that Washington went ahead and and turned the ball over next. So that penalty that oh, yeah, gave him a fresh set of downs yeah, actually wound point. up helping Houston. And uh... and and Houston won, and now Houston. Uh, this week has to go on the road, and they're at Oakland. Interesting game, for Jay, which our friend MJD Jay. may not be available because he he, wow. he fractured his hand. He had a ha- yeah hands. He had a hand procedure. So man, Jay, there's there's a lot going. There's a on, lot going on. Discuss. I mean, what did you make of the Giants? I mean, are they in for an absolute dreadful? I don't know, two man. And 14, I, it, or? Eli looked Eli looked off again. He looked off again. I don't know how, the weapons that he has at his disposal if they're if they're good enough. I mean, Victor Cruz talking about needing the ball more. Well, he is. Wouldn't you key on him? Who else? You, who, who are you going to cover? Yeah. If you're if you're if you're a defense playing the Giants. Oh, certainly. Ruben Randall hasn't proven himself. Odell, Jurgen, Odell Beckham. If you're Aaron, out, Odell Beckham's not even on the field. The yeah. tight end looked the tight okay. End Donald, looks good, but the, but I mean I mean. Eli, I don't Eli's know. Eli's always finding his tight ends. I mean, you know, he, he's he's made Bear Pasco famous. So, <laughs> cattle rancher Bear Pasco. I mean, in hard knocks. The NFC East is dreadful. Easily the worst division. Eight and eight's going to win it. Wait a minute there. Sorry. I mean, e, how do you? How can you and defend you the win, NFC you East? The field by Thanksgiving. I know they are pretty bad. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. It's not. not I a think great the division. NFC East is going to prove to be the worst division in the league. Eight and eight's going to win it. Again. Which, which, by the way, well, is a stark contrast from. Is that, isn't for, that what they're going to finish? If they're lucky. If they're lucky, eight and eight. Who Dallas? Yes, I think Dallas. Oh, I mean, um, Dallas might hear later on. I think Dallas goes into Tennessee this week and loses. Uh, uh, I do yeah. not think Dallas wins in Tennessee I mean, this week. Dallas might win five if they're lucky. If the way they play, and Tony keeps throwing the ball up for grabs like that, the, the interception in the end zone. I got to tell you, you know, again, people are. are oh, I, I'm a, as you know, a Romo fan. That 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 surprised me. The Patrick Willis pick, yeah, that was. I couldn't believe he was throwing that up for. Couldn't grabs believe like that. it. Off, off one foot into quadruple coverage. Like, who did he think that ball was going to? I have no idea. All right, let's pick games. Let's do it. Then I got to go to fifteen more meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only imagine. And, and by the way, you I mentioned. Mean, listen, we're going to try and talk as much football tonight as possible. But we we all know what the the story's going to what the story is, and it could be completely different by the time we hit the air. And when we hit the air, then there's an actual football game, and I think the Ravens win it. I'm you do. Take you the do. Ravens in this one, really? I think, I think they're going to go ahead and and um, rally around the situation. Hmm. And um and and the star of the game, I think, is going to be Forsett. Interesting. Even, you know, if uh, if uh, what if Isaiah Crowell went ahead and lit it up for yeah uh, Cleveland and Terrence West. Uh, I don't think this is the same Steelers defense we're going to see uh, moving forward. Um, in the past, I don't see, I think we're going to see that. And I'm going to take the Ravens at home under the lights. I don't think they dropped to 0 2. 
I'm going to go the other way. I really like um, uh, what Pittsburgh has done with kind of upping the tempo a little bit on offense. And I think there's just there's too much going on. I don't want to use the D distraction word, but there's a lot going on that Ravens team right now. So I think Pittsburgh goes in and gets it done. Yeah, I actually I'm with you, Rich. I, I think the Ravens pull it off and, the, and they kind of rally around it. I, I would also say that this situation, people are, are saying, oh, how are the Ravens going to play play a game under under this situation? I, I think, it, as you said, it can rally the team, and, and to, to put this as a tough situation to play in is nothing compared to what, obviously, the Chiefs went through two no, years I, ago. Listen, uh, they, uh, the team has had three days to absorb it. Uh, Ray Rice wasn't supposed to play in this game anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, uh, in terms of absorbing it, you know, there's a lot of people who consider in that locker room who, who consider Ray Rice a lifelong friend. And, you know, the video shocked them just as much as it shocked everybody when we saw it on Monday, even though, again, what were we thinking happened in that elevator for him, for her to be dragged out unconscious? Um, That said, I think they've had three days to absorb it. And I think they at home, um, it's a short week and um, I I think they pull it out tonight. Moving down our 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 list here, I'm going to take the Cardinals. I think the, they're just a better team. Me too. I think they're a better team defensively. They have more offensive weapons. And if Carson Palmer just doesn't turn it over, which I don't think he will, um, I'm, I'm going to take the Giants to fall to 0-2, and, and there be just a, a, a big-time problem on, on the big blue hands as Arizona uh, wins this game. Yeah, I like the way Carson kind of managed the game. He was very fleet of foot, surprisingly, in the face of San Diego's pressure. I, I definitely think, you know, one of the topics coming out of that game was Larry Fitzgerald and not getting any targets till the fourth quarter. I think that Larry comes back and has a good game. And, you know, Andre Ellington is one of those versatile backs in the mold of McCoy and Charles who can kind of do it all. And I think they have a big game. Yeah, John Brown looked good. My, uh, Floyd looked good as well. I, I like the Cardinals here too. A little bit disturbing the John Abraham story as well that kind of yeah. came out this week and unfortunate. But um, their defense has lost a lot too because no docket. But I still like the Cardinals. Redskins, Jags. I'm going to go with the Jaguars in this one. Ooh. I think they're the better team, and I'm going to take them. Love it. I'm st- I'm sticking with the Redskins. I- so at least one more week. So I listened back to last week's show, Rich, and a lot of Brockman's picks that he made last week, he would follow it up with, I have so-and-so in my fantasy team, so I'm taking the Redskins. That's I have right. Alfred Morris. Right. He did it about seven times. He just said earlier, the Redskins are a mess, but I picked them to win the division. So right, I'm just, I'm just kind of back. you got to know when to fold them, man. You're it's right. week two. I'm folding already? Jaguars. All right. Mm. All right. Well, am I lone wolfing the Patriots? No, I'm going to take them. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take them. I, I, I think that um, they always have problems in Miami. They just do. And it was a division game. And, um, and Miami really took it to him, took it to him in the second half and uh, deserved the win. There's no doubt about that. But I, I think New England rebounds on the road. Um, I just don't see Brady and Belichick 0-2. I just don't. And... Um, I might be wrong, but I'm going to go that way, even though, you know, I think Brady beats his backup from a few years ago. Hmm. You don't see this too many times, by the way, where where a backup goes against the the quarterback that he backed up under a different team. Um, That's pretty cool. uh, I do believe the Patriots will pull it together, even though their line play was pretty dreadful. Dreadful. And Mike Zimmer was a defensive coordinator for a Cincinnati team that that actually held Brady off the board – uh, in the out of the end zone for the first time, I think at the time it was it ended a 56 game streak last year. Yep. 
Um, all that said, um, you know, and it's the first game outdoors in the uh, in the Gopher Stadium for for the Vikings. Um, I just think Brady goes in there and and reminds everybody who 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 he is and takes care of business. I believe it. Well, I hope you're right. And like I said this earlier, the stat that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick never started the uh, a season zero and two. So. I hope that continues. Yeah, this one's tough. I I, I kind of want to lone wolf the Vikings here, um, but just I th- do it. I think I'm gonna just do I, it. I, I reserve the right to change the pick, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Patriots as of right now. I, they've won the last three against uh, the Vikings, and um, I, I think they definitely definitely get the win. And I assume we're all taking the Titans. I'm gonna do it. You know, Bill Cowher came on as you know a few weeks ago and 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 named the Titans and the Bucks as his surprise teams of of 2014 and and last week he was half right and the titans looked great in kansas city i mean defensively they shut them down they're strong up front defensively they're strong in the back defensively and locker is is definitely improved or at least showed he's improved with with uh with wisenhunt in his ear and you know probably <laughs> up his back you know <laughs> and sean green is a, is a stout runner you know, Jet fans know that eventually he'll, uh, at some point, you know, crack a rib or something because it's tough for him to stay healthy. But maybe Bishop Sankey can help uh, keep uh, keep the load from being totally borne by Green. They have receivers that uh, few people know about. I'm, I I like the Titans right now, and I think the Cowboys are are in trouble. I really uh, I'm going to go with Tennessee here. You know who the quarterback was the last time these two teams played, and the Titans got the win for the t- Tennessee Titans? Oh, Kerry Collins. Vince Young went 12 of 15, 170 yards, and two touchdowns. I like the Titans too, Rich. Good fact there. Good fact to it. I'm with you on that one. Um, I, th- I think the Titans The Titans pulled off. Man, Dallas is – they just – we thought that the defense would struggle and the offense would put up points. They, they didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Ugh. My favorite is is Tony Romo post game, and then the you always get the the Jerry Jones comments too, and he wants you know he wants to say so much, and he has to bite his tongue all the time. Who Tony? No Jerry. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. I wonder if Jerry was thinking about whether or not he should have taken Manziel when he was watching Romo throw picks last week. Yeah, of course everybody was thinking about that too. Yeah. So we're all taking the Titans. All yes. the Titans. Yes. Uh, uh, who uh, who who's taking the Bills? I took the Bills. The I got the Bills. You do? Yeah, I'm taking the Bills at home. Me too. I'm taking Oh, them you both are. Look, yes. they got new blood potentially in there with Terry Pegula coming in. My Penn State guy is the new owner. The The fan base is going to rally. I love early uh, September, early October games at Orchard Park, too, when the Bills wear no those doubt. throwbacks. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the Bills here in the home opener. I'm going to do that, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know what? I really liked what I saw to the Dolphins last week, and so I, I'm riding Miami right now. Okay. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. Uh, and they're going to get pressure on EJ Manuel. There you go. Well, it's for the division um, right now. From there, yeah. Um, I, as much as I said that the Lions have a chance to make a statement in Carolina this weekend, I don't believe they're going to wind up being able to make it successfully. I like Cam coming back. That defense is too good. That defense is so good. They are just they are just hitting people, and um, they play smart football. Um, and I I do believe that um, they're going to they're going to prove to be tougher than the Lions in this game. I'm going to take Carolina. Hmm. 
You know, I had originally taken the Lions, and then... Uh, did I just convince you to do otherwise? Yeah, you kind of did. I, I, I was just thinking to myself, I ne- the Lions need to prove it to me, that they can kind of put together some put together back-to-back games, go on the road, beat a, beat a division winner, and then I'm looking at 64% of users are picking the Lions. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going Carolina after all of that. Well, our fans have... You know they 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 know what they're doing with this pick in the sixty. I'm with the sixty three percent. Oh, you and are. I, I'm going with the Lions to come in. I met four hundred plus yards of offense last week. Matt Stafford looked great. Calvin Johnson looked great. Uh, Joyke Bell and Reggie Bush going off and on. Even uh, what's this? The uh, Golden Tate. You know, getting mixed into the offense, looking looking solid. And their their defense, although again it was the Giants. Look, I. I I don't know if Cam, if the running back situation, the wide receiver situation in Carolina, I, I like I like the Lions in this one. I think the defense combined with Cam coming back and he's going to want to put on a show and really have a good showing in his you know home opener, season opener, I think that's going to be enough. Okay. I'm going to take the Bengals at home against the Falcons. Uh, I lone wolfed the Falcons last week. I, was, I, I, I nailed it, man. I saw that one coming. Yeah, you did. I, I had the Falcons. I took them too. No, okay. I was with no, you. No, I, I lone wolf the Saints. Uh, I'm the, taking the Bengals. Anybody I mean, the, taking the Falcons? The natural look great. I'm going to take the Falcons. I'm back on board. Yeah. I, I, no, defensively, they're just going to – I I don't know. I think the Bengals are going to just better defensively than the Saints and the Falcons yeah, are out of their dome. You think the Bengals are going to be able to score points? I think the Bengals are going to be able to score points, yes, sir. Someone okay. not named Mike Nugent in a in – a, Someone not named Mike. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, and again, that Ravens defense played very well last week. No, That's they did. That's the reason why I'm taking the Ravens tonight, too. Gino, I guess Gino Atkins was a little winded and uh, I guess had sore feet because it was really the first full action he's gotten since coming back. I, I, I like the Falcons in this one, too. I'm, I'm going to take the Falcons on the road. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take the Saints. Anybody taking the Browns? Nope. Anybody taking the Rams on the road against the Buccaneers? No, no. chance. Anybody taking the Chargers at home against the Seahawks? Zero. No. Yeah, I'm with you. Anybody taking the Texans against the Raiders? I am taking the Texans. My hand is also up. Yeah. I'm taking the Raiders at home. Oh. Black I hole. think Derek Carr is going to beat his brother's team. I forgot about that little edge. This one's for the Carr family, bro. <laughs> this one is for the Carr family. <laughs> He's going to take care of the Texans. That's great. Okay. I have a feeling at home they're going to be much more comfortable and the kid's going to get his first win under his belt. Okay. Then All Ryan right. Fitzpatrick is going to hear it from the black hole. You're going to take the Jets? No, I'm taking the Packers okay. Green Bay. I don't think Green Bay falls to 0-2. It's All their right. home opener. I think that Aaron Rodgers, if he does get pressured for up the, up the middle, so what? He's one of those few guys in the league for whom the play starts five seconds after it's actually uh, snapped. No doubt about it. So I think that he's going to prove to be very difficult for the Jets to keep in the pocket. And um, he's going to find his guys down the down the uh, down the field against a, a depleted secondary. I mean, D. D Milner's practicing, but I don't. We were talking high ankle sprain from the middle of August, so those things usually take a while. Yeah, I'm not taking much stock in uh, Green Bay getting drubbed by Seattle last week. That's a tough situation. Uh, the 12 season opener, and I think the Pack kind of proved that everyone who's picking them to the Super Bowl uh, doesn't need to change their pick. They're going to put it on the Jets this week. Yeah, I like the Packers too. I'll tell you what, though, kind of what you said earlier, though, if the Jets do go in there on the road, the panic button's going to start in Green Bay and going off. And the Jets have a chance. I mean, that would be, that would be a uh, a big time win for the Jets, no doubt. Big time. Be huge, you know. And, and and Rex says that people are are, are looking past them. I mean, yeah, no no doubt. A lot of people are, are are not on the Jets bandwagon for many reasons. But one one thing I am on the Jets bandwagon is that front four. 
Yep. I mean, that's as good as any front four in the NFL, in my mind. And that's saying a lot. But at least the middle of that, deep, the middle of that line is with Wilkerson and Richardson. That is tough, man. That is tough. And Wilkerson's all over. They're, they're both all over the place. I can't even just say what I'm – so the bottom line is, you know, they should be able to exploit the pressure up the middle, but that quarterback's no statue. He's an MVP for a reason. And the same as an MVP in, in Denver. Um, yep. I'm going to take the Broncos, 49ers, and Colts. I'm going to take the, the home teams there to finish up. Me too. Week two. Me too. Going right down the line. Uh, interesting little, little, little nugget here with uh, Peyton and Alex Smith going against each other. Two – uh, both former number one overall picks. There are seven current uh, number one overall picks that are starting at quarterback, and uh, they all face off. Or six of them play each other this week. Eli versus Carson Palmer, Peyton Manning versus Alex Smith, and Matt Stafford versus Cam Newton. If he nice plays. nuggets, nice. You know, hey, well some, someone looked at the research. Notes someone looked at the week. research. Are you going to take the Eagles law? Uh, so that's my Super Bowl prediction. And if you recall, I also took the Colts to uh, win the Super Bowl, but I think the Eagles win this one. Week week two, Monday Night Football mm. in Indy. Colts okay. 0-2. Okay. Rich, I do have a question for you. Um, with all the Ray Rice thing going on, what's your mindset as a broadcaster going into a situation well, like my this? My mindset going into tonight is to, to give voice to the, to the, to the fan, is to, is to right off the bat communicate that me sitting in my chair knows how most fans sitting at home – are angry. They're angry. It's very difficult for fans to reconcile the sport that they love with the visceral nature of the video they saw. And, you know, clearly you can't paint everybody with the same brush, but this league, with what's happened over the last 90 hours, has ticked off a lot of the loyal fan base. And I want to, right off the bat, acknowledge what folks at, on the couch with the remote in their hands are probably feeling and thinking and discuss this as straightforward as we possibly can, which is the facts. We'll talk about the facts. There's a major credibility gap going on here. Uh, what else are we, when are we going to find out when this thing's over? Cause a lot of fans are already sick and tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what, what can be done to make sure none of this ever happens again, nothing even close to it. But we do have to talk football tonight. I mean, it's a pretty big game here. Yeah. It's a monster game here. Yeah, I mean, division and, um, rivals. And, and fans are, are getting set for the rest of their week, too. And uh, unless there's a um, another break in this, I think the news cycle might be over here with the naming of Robert Mueller III and whether when this investigation begins or what the commissioner – or the league might add to it before this investigation begins is, remains to be seen. I, th- I think it's it's incredible too how I mean with we, we, the age we live in with Twitter and the amplifiedness of everything and how quickly it can just go. Well, from... I mean, I got off the pl- I was landing on the plane yesterday when the AP story hit, mm-hmm. and the first thing is AP tweeted out the headline. Right. Headline is New Jersey law enforcement official confirms. Uh, tape was sent to an NFL executive. Right. Yeah. So now that's the headline. And what that reads is, is like game, set, match. It's all over. Yep. And then the story comes. And it's not like, well, New Jersey official from law enforcement was asked specifically for the tape and had it sent to somebody 
who has confirmed that the commissioner saw it or confirmed that anybody in the NFL, other than whoever received it, saw it, which the, NF- the New Jersey law enforcement official could not do. Yeah. That- so it's just like, oh, okay. So there's a little bit more nuance and detail than the headline actually portrayed. But nobody. Ha- but on Twitter, what gets retweeted first is that headline. Exactly. And I don't know who might have read the story or not. The headline might have been enough for people. And who knows who received this tape in the NFL and what they did with it. Now, many people think that obviously it was it was had to have been shown up the chain of command. Do we know that for sure? We do not. Anybody know that? Could it have been somebody who's who is a friend of somebody from law enforcement who got this tape? Well, that's yeah, a- I mean, this is full of speculation here. It could be the exact opposite. That yeah, it was it was purposefully received and sent up the chain of command. <laughs> Why? Why would everybody up the chain of command, including the top person in the NFL, lie on behalf of Ray Rice? And sit down and do an interview on CBS and double down, too. That, uh, that's it's the just, surprising thing. None of that makes sense to me. And people are already even saying that. It's just like, what, what's, what, what, what is this done on behalf of Ray Rice? Why? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I was just again, ki- I was we, just ki- we need to take a breath, right. see what, what comes out over the next few days, and obviously in this investigation – because we know for a fact, guys, working for the NFL, or, you know, you used to, technically. <laughs> but you know that if somebody made a phone call from the league office down to an, a New Jersey number uh, on April 9th to leave a voicemail, within minutes, that could be pinpointed within whatever hardware mainframe system that is, is in the league. They know who made that phone call. Yep. Yep. Within minutes. So the headline that gets tweeted out becomes the narrative, more so than maybe what the narrative actually might be. Does of that course. make sense? Of course. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, I was just curious what, how you approached something like well, this. Well, and again, approaching it by telling the facts, right. speaking about the truth, right. the facts. The facts are this. The facts are that. And, and the facts are the, that, that most fans are ticked off and want answers. And kind of how you manage the guys on the set when, because this is such a hot, a hot issue. Well, it's just keeping it within the rails of, 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 of their areas of expertise. Yep. Last year when the story that hopped from the back to the front page involved bullying. Mm-hmm. And it hopped from the back to the front page because so many moms and dads and kids deal with that scourge on a daily basis. And to see it happen between grown men within a football locker room was shocking. But when our sports analysts and sports announcers talked about it, they could talk about it from the idea of what was going on within the locker room in this particular case of bullying and then extrapolated potentially to the greater social issue. This has nothing to do with football. It was a football player who did it. So what does that make us experts on talking about domestic violence? It doesn't. Yeah. And that's where so many people in our profession have put foot in mouth and said absolutely ridiculous things. Paul George today tweet. I mean, it's so tonight we'll be talking about it. The guys will be talking about it. And from a football standpoint, you know, we'll, we'll present the news as we know it. We'll have reporters on the scene. I think I'm even inter- interviewing two Baltimore 
local reporters to talk about how the Ravens have handled all this and what it means to the people of Baltimore, to put it in perspective there. And then, you know, we'll talk about it as, as conditions warrant. But if, it's, if news is breaking during their show, we're gonna, we'll, we'll be all over it. Can you give us any any hint of what the new set looks like? Any, have you seen it? Um, it's it's very nice. It's very nice. <laughs> there's two of them. There's one outside the stadium. There's one inside. And we'll have fun tonight. You know, it'll be the first of of the Thursday night games, and we'll 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 see the football game. And it's going to be, like I said, crucially important. Well, and then next week, hopefully, we'll be able to do this uh, on time. Although, you know, the part of the reason why this got delayed is we've got the Rich Eisen show that we're. We're planning and hopefully launching um, this, you know, uh, if not October, uh, then sometime late in October, early November. We're still trying to pinpoint a date on that, but it's coming to DirecTV and uh, the NFL Now app. So we're planning on that, getting ready for Thursday night football. Then there's Sunday game day morning. There's all sorts of stuff going on. A lot going on. The podcast, I had to phone it in this time. But um, do you have an international shout out? Oh, you know what? I actually do. Oh, great. Well, no, no problem. Not that he has one ready, Rich. He went scrambling for his well, no, phone as soon as you well, said that. Well, I mean, you mean, you're talking. You know, when we do this you just kind of uh, on the Rich Eisen show, I'll be a little and more the clock prepared. is actually ticking. He, right now, we're not, we're not up against any clock. No clock. No, there's no clock. I mean, we're clockless. You could just tap but dance all you want. You need, you, need to, you need to be prepared for this. Rich well, just well, has here. important game day meetings to go to. Yeah, and but here's all the this. thing. Like, when, we ha- when the show goes on the air, it'll be lined in the rundown, and so I'll have, oh. I'll have the time. To... You're blaming the producing element of this program, of which there <laughs> well, are. I was going to say the lack, <laughs> the lack thereof. Yeah. I take offense to that. Uh, international shout-out this week to my man Mark Brown at DracoMJB. He says, international shout-out, Melbourne, Australia. He's a Patriots fan. For 30 years. Attaboy. We need all the support we can get this week, Mark. Thanks okay. a lot, buddy. Also, I have to amend my uh, earlier statement of 14-2 and two was our best record. We actually had five, uh, one, two, three, we had five people go 15-1. and one. I misspoke. Um, so it's a five-way tie atop the leaderboard. Basically, we no, all, got, we all got boat raced in week one. Yeah, we're way behind, huh? <laughs> yeah. Way behind. Way behind. 15-1. and one. But uh, John Hine joined from the Howard Stern Show. All a couple right. of the guys from the DP Show joined uh, as well. So they're in, too. Oh, great. So... And we're up to almost four thousand right now. Yeah, so go ahead and join us. Why don't you? Yeah, I went nine and seven. Yeah, jo- wow. join us because you you already have a great chance of beating us since we all went five hundred. <laughs> all right, at Cliff, Chris Law, Chris Brockman, I'm at Rich Eisen for at the uh, at uh, Rich Eisen Show, which yes. is the name of this podcast. Absolutely, enjoy the game tonight, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Take care from Baltimore. Stay listening, friends. <laughs>